So hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Wildcast with myself and uh, Tom Graham. Tom, uh, we've made it to double figures. It's exciting. Wait, episode 10. Now, it's, it's good. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And obviously, the ex- much more exciting news about episode 10 is we've actually got some hockey to talk about. Mm, yes, yeah. And we've got quite a lot of hockey to talk about based on the two games that we saw via stream on over the weekend so yeah so obviously yeah. In, case, in case people out there haven't heard the streaming series is live the first two games uh went down a, a fair success last weekend uh swindon hosted mk on saturday evening and then traveled up to sheffield on the sunday uh, i think the rough figures i saw were just short of three thousand people uh or three thousand streams were sold over the two nights uh, with 1600 in in swindon on the on the saturday evening just before we get too stuck into the games just your thoughts on streams watching the games and and the numbers that the club's got well it was obviously different it was a different experience for Saturday night I think we've all watched live streams of road games before but certainly I've not done it for a home game that was um, different and obviously obviously it it felt different there was a, a very different atmosphere sitting at home and obviously an empty rink you could hear a lot more of what was going on what was being said on the ice but to be honest, I think the streaming packages were really good. Um, certainly Swindon's on Saturday, and I know we're going to be a bit biased, particularly as one of us was on that. Um, but it was a really good, you know, really, really good package with, you know, everything you'd expect from a live stream. And yeah, it seems to run really smoothly. And same on the whole from Sheffield on Sunday. I know there were a lot of comments about the camera work. I personally didn't have a major issue with it, but I know a lot of people did. And that's something that teams will have to take on going forward if they are going to be charging you know 12 pound or 8 10 pound or however much the streams costs are if we have a full season that um they will need to you do need to have a consistent kind of high standard of camera work and presentation but i thought the sheffield presentation their video packages the commentary was very good i think that there was obviously an issue with the camera work which a lot of fans picked up on and that's definitely something they'll have to take on board but I think overall, you know, I was pleasantly, not surprised, but certainly pleased with, you know, the standard of the streams. And certainly I think the feedback has been quite similar, that they were really good packages. And obviously to get 3,000 fans over the two nights, certainly 1,600 for our game, is that's those are great figures. And it just shows the interest in the British hockey community in this series. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, obviously, I know, obviously I was there, I hosted the stream, it was a, the most bizarre game night um, of my life. And I've done a few game nights <laughs> over the few years. But um, yeah, it really was. And I think it never really, I never really thought it wouldn't be, but it was so, being there on Saturday, it was so professional. It was so well organized. It was so, like they took it, they took COVID and the streaming series and everything incredibly seriously. From from players to to equipment staff to to off ice staff to to streaming staff, it really was something that obviously may not have come across well on the stream, but it's something I definitely thought I would I would bring up. And it was it really kind of blew me away how seriously everybody was taking it and how how successful it was. We had no idea during the game um, how many people were tuning in. It was kind of a weird environment talking to a camera, knowing that people were out there, but also not knowing if there was just 
seven people kind of tuning in or if there was a couple of thousand just sat all around the world. But yeah, so the numbers came out after the game and, and we were all absolutely blown away. But putting the stream to a side, we've got some hockey to talk about. An 8-6 win against the MK Lightning. Um, yeah, just give us your immediate thoughts and I'm sure we'll uh, discuss it in great detail. Well, I don't think anyone could say they didn't get value for money with 14 goals on the first game back. And I suppose it's kind of, it's kind of what we said perhaps would happen. And, you know, I know Anna Nell said that in interviews as well, that, you know, first game back, you're not necessarily expecting it to be the um, slickest defensive performance from either team. And we certainly didn't see that. There was a lot of broken plays and there were certainly goals that both teams would want back. But there's also some in patches. And I know um, Lewis Clifford, the MK coach, mentioned in his interview review after the game, there were patches where both teams played really good hockey. And yeah, there was a lot of scrappy stuff for mistakes. And obviously, I think the third period, certainly the last 10 minutes for me felt like it slowed down as you know players got a bit leggy you know their first game in eight months but yeah there were some really nice goals there was some really slick hockey it was played at a good tempo yeah but there are there were obviously in an 8-6 game you're not going to come away netminders and defensemen aren't necessarily going to come away thinking it's been their best night but certainly certainly it was entertaining you couldn't complain complain about the amount of action you saw no absolutely not and it it was I wasn't really sure what to expect. I know that we obviously we had Aaron on here and he was saying it was going to be, it obviously wasn't going to be the same kind of intensity as a, as an end of season run into the playoffs or a playoff game or, but it, it also felt completely miles different to, to a preseason challenge game that we'd usually see to kick a season off. It was intense. There was hits. There was, like you said, there were broken plays. There were nice plays and there was some, superb individual performances and not just you and me for getting both results right over the weekend as we predicted in podcast <laughs> nine but we uh <laughs> we won't touch on that too much but um yeah it it was it was it was sensational at times to be fair it really was considering you're watching guys out here that have been on the ice well five six times since march it's the longest probably all of them have ever been not on an ice pad let alone playing hockey on an ice pad um, it's probably for certain guys out there. The last time they were been off the ice this long would have been the gap between naught and three before they even discovered what an ice hockey stick was. <laughs> um, and it was. It was an absolute testament to, to both sets of teams. And I say both sets of teams. Obviously, we'll come to the Sheffield game later. But for Sheffield as well on Sunday, it was their first game. And equally, that was just as intense and exciting to watch. But going back to Saturday, um, a couple of standouts, obviously, were... We'll touch on we'll touch on the visitors first. So a hat trick from uh, from Bobby Chamberlain. Yeah, and we kind of said said in the kind of build up and a couple of times on the on this podcast, you know, Bobby Chamberlain on his day is one of the better finishers in the in the league in, in at national league level, and he showed that with some really well taken goals. You know, obviously his first goal was short handed break. You know, picked up and yeah, then he made the first save and did well. But you know, Bobby's always just going to crash the net for that rebound and put it away. You know, I, I can't really pick. The second goal was a nice little play. Defenseman, Wildcats defenseman, kind of gets caught on the pinch. You know, I think it was, I think it was Lids. He probably, you know, wouldn't have been particularly happy with that play. But you know, again, Chamberlain is a lovely finish. And the third goal is a nice little tip in front. You know, Hatchet within half an hour. You're not going to argue about that. And when he's playing like that, and I know he took a couple of silly penalties later on, which is the other side of Bobby Chamberlain, and 
it kind of was that performance from him. But, you know, when he's putting the puck in the net, he's a really dangerous player um, and certainly not someone you want steaming in on your net. Um, certainly not if you're a netminder who's not played in eight months. And, yeah, can't argue with that performance. Absolutely. And there were a few guys on that um, on that Lightning roster that stood out. Obviously, Russ Cowley scored a superb goal. And I know that talking to... to um, to Lewis Clifford after the game, he was really impressed with the line of Holden Barnes, Garner, Callum Field, and, and Rio Grinnell Park as well. And yeah. I know that from his perspective, they were he was pleased with how those young lads kind of had an impact on the game as well, as well as the big sort of elite league names. Yeah, I thought Barnes Garner, to be fair, took his goal really well. He's not, you know, a guy who scores particularly regularly. I can't, can't remember off the top of my head how much he scored last year, but it was only a few points. You know, but he, he picked his spot well. You know, he went in, took his time, was patient and put that away. And yeah, he took his goal well. I would agree that that line of him and Callum Field, who's obviously making his senior hockey debut yesterday, and um, Rio Grinnell Park looked really good as a fourth line. Kind of, they added some real energy to that performance. Um, I think, you know, we, uh, the, the, yeah, they played really well. And as you said, as, as Lewis Clifford said, there were things he was happy about, things he wasn't so happy about. But certainly... You know, players like Chamberlain, I thought David Clements took his goal really well as well. You know, jumped up off the blue line. He showed that bit of elite league experience of knowing when to get into the play as a defenceman. And I thought he took his goal really well. And I thought Sam Russell impressed me on the blue line as well. To be fair, with their regular defensive core, I thought Sam Russell looked, looked really looked really calm under pressure at times. I think, yeah, I think you're right. There, there's definitely some... Some, some superb um, some superb displays there. But from a Wildcats perspective, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on this, but the thing that impressed me the most, I think, was the fact how quickly we bounced back after letting goals in uh, last Saturday night. Yes. Um, it was very much, I look at the time where kind of Bobby Chamberlain scored and then, well, I'm looking at the stats now, 26 seconds later, Toms makes it 2-1. And then we're also looking at, again, they score two goals in a couple of minutes. And then 30 seconds later, Toms again scores again to tie the game up or and, and to get us back in it very quickly. And obviously, we've seen times before where we can kind of get shell-shocked a little bit when a goal does go in. But it was really nice to mm-hmm. see such a quick response on those two particular. Obviously, touching on that, uh, a hat-trick for... Uh, for number 37 as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, on that first point, yeah, I agree. I think it was really good that we bounced back after conceding because, as you say, there are times where in the past with Cats teams, we've seen we concede a couple of goals and it can kind of lead to a bit of a collapse. You could end up losing in three or four. We, I know we did it, and uh, there was a game at Telford last year, but I think we let in something like five in six minutes or something ridiculous like that in the third period, second period. And you know, it kind of put us in a good position into chasing the game. So, obviously, it's important. Also, um, the other time we did that was in the third period. I think it was after the Clements goal, which put them ahead, MK. And we then go down the other end with Malazinski and Ben Davies, I want to say. I can't remember. Or um, it might be Rutkis, the hat-trick. I can't remember which goal it was. But we go, we go and score a couple of quick goals down the other end within the space of a minute or so. So... Yeah, it, that was really important. I mean, Tom's with that hat trick, they were three excellently taken goals. You know, the first was on the power play, 
you know put that in that you, you you get it's the old classic saying of you know go to the net and good things happen and tom's got himself into the slot in front picked that pass up it was a lovely pass you know onto his stick and he put that top shelf and yeah he's taken his goals really well and he looked every bit the elite league player last um on saturday night you know i thought he looked like you could tell the experience of training with the devils over the last few years and playing games at that level is really starting to make an impact on his play and obviously he was on a line with two elite league players as well um but i thought he looked really sharp really 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 fast and yeah took his goals superbly yeah he did and the second one i think it was was an absolute superb I, I, it might have been the third i'm not sure which one it was but there was one which was an absolute snipe right in the top corner and it was um mm-hmm. it was a not only a a goal where you look at it and go yeah that's that's good and i remember kind of think you text me or vice versa and it was like yeah that was an absolute snipe but i think it was a those th- those are the great goals where you know you're going to be part of a hat trick and like you said they were th- they weren't just three tap-ins in the crease they were three superbly taken goals in in all yeah. situations you know and the, the other goal i want to talk about again because i kind of thought this at the time the cats third goal of the evening so thomas manasinski's first goal of the night the uh right at the start of the, the second period the um the, the wonderful start of a power play goal of of scored 89 assisted 30 so uh, even Rennie got in on the points yeah well yeah and it's a lesson lesson to um, lesson to you all of don't sleep when the net miner has the puck on the short when you're short-handed because if you're going for that change particularly in the second period when you've got a long change that can happen and it's, it's happened for, We've seen it with, you know, Rennie and Stevie Lyle doing that for us. We've seen other teams do it against us as well. You know, if you're going for a change, you're going to have a guy open on the wing and that stretch pass, if it hits, as was the case with Malazinski, um, at the weekend, you end up potentially letting a goal in. And it was a lesson for anyone who hasn't seen much of the Cats. So also don't stand off Thomas Malazinski too much because he's going to, if he can get a shot away like that, he's going to put that on target. And yeah, it was a good finish. I mean... Aronell also scored a very Aronell-like power play goal in that period, um, which we've seen a lot of, you know, the one-timer from just kind of the angle between the blue line and the hash marks. And we've seen that a lot before as well. So there's a couple of goals there from the Swindon power play, which we've seen before, let's put it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what was your your thoughts on the impact of guys like um, Matthew Myers, Ben Davis and Josh Batch? Well... I think you can tell why these boys have been playing the elite, in the elite league for as long as they have and been playing at the top level. You know, we obviously, we as Swindon fans already knew a bit of what Ben Davies can bring. And, you know, he still showed that, you know, he's that player, he's got speed, he's got great hands, which he showed with his goal. Um, Josh Batch, big physical presence on the blue line, he keeps things simple and, you know, does the hard hard work, you know, isn't afraid to shoot from the blue line from the point as well. But I thought, you know, I know it's been picked up a lot by Swindon fans and the and the stats show it. You know, Matthew Myers was absolutely, you know, a class act for us on Saturday and Sunday as well, to be fair. But you can you can you see why he's had the career he he's had, you know, he's an absolute monster in the face off dot. He can shoot the puck, pass the puck, he's big and strong. You know, you can tell why this guy is has been at the top level of British hockey for nearly 20 years now. You know, it's he's an unbelievably good player and it's, and it's been so lucky to have him, even if it is just for 
you know, two weekends just for four games. It's, it's mm. unbelievable. We're, we're really lucky to be able to see him in a Swindon jersey. And it's weird. I'm not quite, even now, I, I, I watched back the highlights earlier, um, or the highlight of his goal earlier. And it's not quite clear to me how he scored it. I don't think it was from a very odd angle. But, you know, that's again just high hockey I high hockey IQ from a guy who's played at the top level for a long time to see that to see that shots shots available and take it. So yeah, you know, I thought he was he got the man of the match he got the man of the match award and I thought he was really the kind of pick of pick of either the best player on the ice for either team, if I'm completely honest. I think I, one plus four shows that. No, I, I completely agree. It was an absolute like you said, it was just a, a pleasure to watch him in a Swindon jersey. It it you kind of we've seen Matthew Myers hand, handfuls of times before for Cardiff and he's always impressed but it, it's difficult it's it's easy to be impressed by someone on a kind of like a one-off off thing but when you see him that close you just you see the class he's got and, and everything he said was yeah. spot on and, and the hockey IQ was there um anyone else that kind of caught your eye Saturday night anyone else stand um, up I mean <laughs> I mean I thought, in terms of standouts, I thought Thomas Malazinski played played well. I thought he, he looks like the Thomas Malazinski we know he can be. Um, obviously, again, got a bit let like everyone got a bit leggy in the third period. Just, you know, I think the the fact it was the first sixty minutes in anger for a while kind of caught up with them all. But you know, I thought he took his goals superbly. Um, and I think there has to be some time for a shout out to the three kind of young debutant forwards for the World Cup. In Reed Sayers' case, not debutant, but Reed Sayers, Jack Goodchild and Barrett Pekodzi. I thought all played really well. Um, I thought Goodchild Goodchild and Sayers were on the eyes for the first goal and I thought they put in a really good shift. They didn't look out of place. Um, You know, they were playing with elite league players and, you know, they they didn't look overawed. They they worked really hard and I think they both showed they've got a future at this level. And I thought Pekodzi, you know, it's going to take him a while to settle into senior hockey. Um, he's obviously been playing juniors in America. It's going to take him a little while to settle in. And I think there were a couple of you know rough edges to his game. Certainly a few mistakes over the weekend. Um, one of which we might talk about later. But he he looked good. And I thought there was I was really impressed with his effort. You know, even when even when he lost the buck, he was making that effort to win it back. And yeah, he's going to be a really big piece for us. Um, when it, it's going to take, like I say, it's going to take him time to settle in and to kind of really gel with the team. But I think there's going to be there's some definitely, definitely something to be excited about there. Yeah, you literally took the words out of my mouth there. I think, um, yeah, those that trio were were superb. I mean, <clears throat> everybody played well on on Saturday night. It was one of those games where, if you forget the fact that no one had played in eight months, like it wasn't just a case of. You know, Swindon played well. They played good hockey. Milton Keynes played good hockey at times. And it was a, after the kind of months we've all had, it was the perfect tonic for a Saturday night in November. Um, even if it wasn't exactly quite how we wanted it, <laughs> kind of sat in the rink uh, and cheering the boys on. But it was a, a, a mightily impressive performance and a great a great win, which then was followed up by Sunday, which... We kind of said um, on on episode nine that we always felt that Sunday was going to be a very tough game. Not only was it our first road trip of the season, but also 
we were going to Sheffield where we know uh, it's a very tough place to go and play hockey. It's a long trip. It's not a fun journey. It, and you get there and you're facing a, a Sheffield Steel Dogs team that, again, have some very, very good players, some very good players joining them from the Elite League and some very good players from within their own team um, who are fresh, who haven't played. Okay, they haven't played for eight months either, but they also haven't played the night before and had a five-hour bus trip. Um, obviously, it's a bit disappointing to come away with, with the 5-1 loss that we did. I personally, obviously, watching the stream, it was... It was interesting to, to to watch their stream. I know we touched on it earlier, but yeah, it, w- it was a great package. It really was. They they did they did a great job. Um, and we, you know, with Jonathan Fernley on the commentary, it was always going to be very professional. It, it really was a a good stream. Um, but it was. I don't think we deserved. We didn't deserve to win. There's there's no no argument about that. The right team won. I do feel the scoreline is slightly. I don't think Sheffield dominated us by four goals. Okay, you take the empty net route and, and it's only a three goal. But even then, I feel like we made it closer than that. Um, yeah, okay, we didn't play we didn't play as good as we did Saturday night. But what, what, what did you think of, of uh, Sunday night? Yeah, I think I largely agree with that. I mean, I, I mean I'm going to start, start and agree with you that we didn't deserve to win. The better team won on Sunday night, Sheffield. Played the more complete game. They were defensively very solid, you know, which is something we didn't maybe see from other Milton Keynes on Saturday. Um, and they worked hard and they were really clinical taking their chances. Um, I, I do feel that the Cats on another night maybe could and should have had a couple more goals and made that game closer. I think particularly in the first and third period, there were long, there were long periods where we were putting them under a lot of pressure and, you know, didn't get the bounces. I know we hit the post in the first period. We had a few ones that just about somehow kept out in the third, you know, and there's credit there as well for the dog's defence and to Dimitri's monster in their net to, that they were able to, you know, weather that pressure and take their chances. But it was a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde performance from the Cats because there were, as much as there were good periods of play, there were also periods that they'll be disappointed with. There were some very big mistakes, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a moment, but, and there were just periods where it wasn't quite, the passing wasn't as slick as it was at times on Saturday, you know, and that's understandable, as you say. Sheffield's a tough road trip. It's a long way um, on a Sunday night. You know, bust legs are completely real concept. And our record in that rink is quite mixed. The Dogs have a very good home record over the last couple of years as well. Um, and, yeah, I think they deserve to win. I think... I'm slightly disappointed that it ended 5-1. I felt that we were perhaps good value for a second, maybe even a third goal over the course of the 60 minutes. But I don't think any of us are going to sit there and say the dogs robbed us or didn't deserve to win because that's actually, that would be absolutely wrong because they were the better team over 60 minutes and deserved the win. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They did. And for me, I think the game kind of... I'm not going to say turned on its head. I don't think that's right. I definitely think there was a big, big momentum shift um, early in that kind of second period. Obviously, there was two kind of moments that really stand out. There was the 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 Josh Pat Josh Batch major penalty, um, and also the uh, the Steel Dogs' first goal of the evening. Um, I don't know which one I want to talk about first, really. So let's let's um, let, let's start let's start with the Dogs' first goal. 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, those who, first as well chronologically so yeah I, exactly. should. I mean yeah I mean for those who may not have seen it it was there's no way to describe it other than it was an own goal it was a, yeah. a complete fluke play um it certainly wasn't something intentional um it was one of those bizarre moments in hockey where it just sometimes happens and yes there will be probably two players involved that are 100% wanted back. Um, but just give us your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I'll be honest, I didn't really realise what had happened initially when I was watching it on the stream. I kind of, one moment the puck is in the corner and the next moment it's in the Wildcats net. And it kind of took me, I think, a few moments to realise quite what had what just just occurred and it I think it took a replay to absolutely confirm that to me because I didn't believe I didn't want to believe or I didn't believe what I'd just seen so yeah obviously you know as you mentioned Sam Godfrey and Renny Marr both kind of I suppose both culpable for it um I mean Sam Godfrey initially I don't want to be overly critical to players because obviously they have a tough job and they you know, I wouldn't be able to do it, so I, I couldn't do better. But he didn't feel like he was under a ton of pressure when he made the pass. And there wasn't, for me, that pass shouldn't be going in front of the net. You've got to get that behind the net into safety. And, you know, Neil Lydiard was around behind the net. And there's no reason that that puck should be going in front. But equally... You know, I think Rennie really might be disappointed that he's not set himself and that's gone through his five hole because it was a relatively not a quick moving puck. Um, it wasn't as if it would be slapped across the face of goal at him. It was a regu- fairly regulation play for both players that, you know, 99 times out of 100, they both make. You know, either the pass doesn't go, go, go in front and there, it goes around the back where it's intended, or, you know, Rennie gets something on it and keeps it out. But yeah, yeah I, I don't think I've ever seen a goal like that in a from a swim in a swimming game, and I hope I don't again. But no, I yeah, think certainly was... not a not a good moment. No, it was one of those where I think two individual mistakes kind of contributed to to it. It was if if Rennie hadn't have not had himself quite set, and God has made that pass, then Rennie would have stopped it bat it into the corner and it would have been fine and equally if Rennie hadn't been set and Goddard hadn't made that pass it doesn't matter that Rennie wasn't set because it wouldn't have been going through his five hole so it really was kind of six of one half a dozen of the other it was the combination of two individual errors which after eight months of off of hockey is entirely expected like it was always there was always going to be something over the weekend there were always going to be turnovers sloppy plays you name it it wasn't necessarily quite what we expected but I'm sure those boys. Uh, I'm sure those boys aren't going to. Uh, it's not going to be something that happens week in week out. Um, but yeah, so that was <laughs> that's that dealt with and out of the way. Um, and then obviously that was swiftly followed by the uh, the ejection of Josh Batch. Now I, obviously it's really difficult to, to talk about the hit. We kind of saw the stream and quite rightly for the stream, they cut away quite quickly when they realised that that the dogs captain Lewis Bell was down and wasn't just down. He, he obviously carried an injury and he's put a post on social media to say that he probably, well, probably won't be playing this weekend. And there's obviously some damage there. And I'm, 
I'm I don't personally know Josh that well, but there was never any question of of any intent or anything on the play. It was just one of those kind of hockey incidents that that happen when players get tangled up and go crashing into the boards. But it, it's difficult to talk about because I think we only saw the hit once, which is again the right thing to do. But what was your kind of thoughts on that couple of minutes of play? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just one final thing on the goal before we move on. Um, I think it's worth noting that that's probably the easiest goal that James Spur ever gets credited with. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure if he, 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 probably, he probably owes he probably owes God as a many a beer when next time he sees them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, in a I'm, pub. <laughs> I'm, I've never spoken to James Spur, but I uh, would like to bet quite a lot of money that if you'd have said to him, describe your first goal of the season the night before that game, he probably wouldn't have said that. <laughs> he wouldn't would. have been imagining it like that. No, he wouldn't have. But, but anyway, yeah, yes. Going back to Josh yeah. Batch. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Going back to the batch here. I mean, as you say, it's tricky because we only see it once. I mean, I think it's a penalty. I, I, I do. I think it's a hockey incident, and I think, but I think the way the game is and the way the rules are that that is a bo- unfortunately a boarding penalty. And obviously, the way the EIHA rules are, and I'm sure we'll discuss this in a second. But the way the EIHA rules are, there's an injury on the play. It's a five-minute major and game misconduct. Um, you know, there's no alternative. The ref's hands are tied at that point. And I think Sam Burris said it as best as we can um, when he interviewed with the dog media team in that second period break. You know, Josh Batch didn't intend to injure him. He didn't, I don't think he even intended to board him, really. I think it was a completely unintentional play. Um, and I think Ben O'Connor said it should have been a nice and cool, so that's another issue. But it's a completely unintentional play. But yeah, and but ultimately the right call was made in that he's boarded him unintentionally or otherwise he has put him in the boards and caused him an injury. So it's it's a tough play and it's a tough play to lose a player like Josh Match, particularly, you know, within a minute of conceding a bad goal. Um, but yeah, and there's obviously no, there was obviously no malice. And I think we all wish Lewis Bell well and hope that he gets recovered as quickly as possible. But yeah. Certainly, it's a tough, tough play, and it's difficult. Like I said, it's difficult to say, having only seen it once. That I think, I think the, the hard facts are that there had to be a penalty on the play, and unfortunately, because of the injury, that's there's only one penalty that it can be called. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's that classic. We we could talk about this part. What I'm about to say until we're uh, blowing the teeth, but um, <laughs> it's the classic high stick rule, isn't it? It's. Mm. Contact, yes. Intention doesn't matter. Blood, yes. Right. Okay, that's. A, that's a game. That that's it. That, yeah. that is the rules. You can't bend it. You can't change it. it, it it's incredibly similar. What was it worthy of Josh Batch missing the rest of the game? Probably not. But by the letter by the letter of the law, that's what it is. You got to suck it up and get on yeah. with it. Yeah, and I mean it's something that I know I've, I know we both have, but I know I've banged this drum for a long time. Is I would love to be in a situation where. You know, the EIHA gave their referees more more room to interpret the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, you can you see players making really quite predatory hits, but they end up with two plus tens or whatever. And you think that's a guy who's gone to try and take someone's head off or cause an, you know, doesn't care, even if he's not intending to cause an injury, he doesn't care that there's a risk he might. And yet you see something like a little high stick, or in this case, a coming together with two players which has caused an injury and because of the rules as soon as the arm gets up that's it you know there's 
there's no option that you chuck that guy at the game. We've seen we've seen situations in really big games over the years where a guy is caused a little injury and come back on the next shift and the guy who's been injured has come back on the next shift whereas another team the other team has lost a player for the whole game obviously that's not the case in this in this particular incident Lewis Bell is was was genuinely seriously injured or seriously enough to be out for the rest of the game and as you say potentially going forward in the streaming series um but yeah I think that it's 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 tough it's really it's a, it's it's not the it's not my favorite rule and I appreciate there's got to be an element of protecting players in that situation, particularly in a semi-professional league. But yeah, there's definitely not my not my favourite rule. I would like to see referees have more more opportunity to interpret the interpret the um, rules and call the penalty based on the actions of the player rather than the outcome. Yeah. Um, God, look at that. We're two games into the weekend. We're questioning rule books. We're we're not, not we're, we're not. I would say I'm not questioning we're the referees. Questioning, we are not questioning referees, but we're questioning rule books. We're talking about dodgy plays. We're talking about penalties. Were they or weren't they? It definitely feels like uh, we've definitely got some element of hockey normality back in our lives, even if it is only for a fortnight. Yeah, no, we're definitely definitely worth clarifying there. We're not. Um, we're not sitting there blaming um, Tom Perring or. The other referee who I can't remember who it was. No, I can't remember now either. I can't remember who it was. I don't know who one was. It was Tom Herring and another referee. And I feel, to be fair, I thought they both called the game really well. Both games, actually, I thought were called really well over the weekend. I think huge credit to Dean Stiffen, Smithen and Stephen Matthews on um, on the Sunday, on Saturday as well. Um, but yeah, I thought the games were called really, really well. I didn't. I don't think there was anything that I saw on the stream that I um, thought, well, that's a call that I wouldn't have been happy with if I had been watching the game. But yeah, like I said, definitely not questioning the referee on that one. It's uh, more of a question of the actual way the rules are interpreted. Yeah, and you've obviously spoken about Swindon and the fact that we felt that they were better for the one goal, but they weren't good enough for the win. But from a Sheffield perspective, I'm going to say two names to you. Um, so let's go number one. Let's start with Ben Lake. Um, and then uh, and your thoughts on, I'm going to throw a slight disclaimer in here as well. Um, Alex Graham, who is absolutely no relation to you. <laughs> praise him. Please, if you're listening to this, don't feel like he's sticking up for a long distant cousin or something like that. No. Yes, absolutely no relation. So Ben Lake, um, kind of like Matthew Myers, showed his elite league um, quality. And I know we discussed him in the build-up to the games in episode nine, that, you know, this is a guy who a couple of years ago was the second top point scorer in the elite league. So he showed his quality and the goal he scored was absolutely sensational. You know, it was a brilliant, it was the goal of the night. It was one of the goals of the weekend for sure. And yeah, he, he was a real fawn in the cat's side and he's going to be a big part of that dogs team this weekend. And then also against the MK Lightning in two weeks' time when they play their double header. Um, I was really impressed with what I saw from him, which isn't a surprise because, as I say, he's definitely got that that ability to take over a game. And I mean, Alex Graham, we saw a bit of him last year breaking through. And I mean, the kid has an incredible, insane amount of talent. And you know, the goals he scored were superbly taken. You know, the power play goal he scored in the um, second period on the um, major penalty to batch was 
you know, a beautiful little deflect, deflection. We mentioned Ben Morgan and Ben O'Connor have made a living of that kind of play as well. You know, I think it was Ben O'Connor who took the shot, and he, you could tell he was shooting for the net. But he knew, he knew that Alex Graham was coming through to get that deflection, and you know, that's a, you know, it was a lovely little tip past Lenny, and then obviously the second goal he scored on the night was, yeah, it's a poor turnover, and it's, I think. At the time, we didn't know who it was. Um, I think the benefit of the benefit of behind goal replay showed it was Van Picard. So just a bit of a loose pass on a line change, you know. And you'll learn that you can't get away with those sort of plays at this level. But again, Graham read the play well, and then it's a lovely, you know, top corner finish. You know, doesn't give Rennie any chance. He almost had a hat trick. You know, he, he picked up another breakaway later in the game, which Rennie made an excellent save on. But yeah, I mean, he's got he's. I think he's 17 years old. He's got the world, he's got, you know, the hockey world, as it were, his feet, certainly in Britain. And I mean, hopefully he can really develop into a top tier talent, you know, follow another young Sheffield player like Liam Kirk and have a, you know, real big career ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely. He was um, by far the standout for me, um, which says a lot when, like you touched on there, how well guys like Ben Lake and Ben O'Connor played that. A 17-year-old kid, and okay, it's a 17-year-old kid that we've seen in the league for a couple of years now, or at least a year, kind of out, outshone them, and they, they certainly didn't play badly. Um, Alex Graham had a really good game. Um, yeah, like you said, Ben O'Lake's got Ben... Ben O'Lake? <laughs> Combine the two there. Um, no, Ben O'Lake's got um, absolute highlight reel, really was. If you haven't seen it, um, I'd absolutely encourage you to, to try and find it. I'm sure there'll be some highlights package out there, or at least a Probably dogs have put it on social media as well. Um, yeah. Worth watching. Um, completely undressed the defenseman and went top corner. Uh, there's not much Rennie or the D-men could have done about that. But like you said, <laughs> it, it, a chance. it, it, it uh, picks the puck up. Yeah, um, it, it, it showed his class. Um, but that kind of rounds off the weekend, last weekend, nicely looking back. And I guess mm-hmm. here we are again, Friday night. We're not talking about the first game in eight months. We're talking about weekend two of the streaming series and the uh, the Wildcats are on the road tomorrow night, um, or Saturday night in, in Milton Keynes for kind of their return fixture and then at home to complete our streaming uh, series fixtures on, on Sunday against the Steel Dogs. What, what are you expecting from weekend two? Um, I think more of the same, I would, I would say. I mean, you're going to have a tough game in Milton Keynes on Saturday. You know, it's a, they're a really good team. They've added Zach Sullivan, so an elite, another elite league talent to the streaming series in the week, you know, to round out their, to bulk up their defence, to give them numbers. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a tough link to go to, but equally it's not as tough a journey to make as, the steel, as, as um, we have seen with the Steel Dogs. I think it's going to be another, you know, relatively offensive game. You know, you've got two teams there who are built around having you know, scoring talent. And I think I think with the, the game on Saturday, I think Swindon will want more of the same in terms of, you look at the goals we conceded and there's a lot of individual mistakes in there. The goals we conceded against Milton Keynes on Saturday, you know, there was turnovers and missed plays and they want to polish that up defensively. Um, that I'm sure will be Aaron Nell's kind of first priority in training this week will be kind of tightening up the shape. Um, but equally, I think we saw on Saturday, we kept guys like Liam Stewart, Thomas Carner, Robin Kovar, Eddie Beberis quite quiet over the 
over the game and that'll be something they have to do again if they want to win in Milton Keynes um, you can't let we said it last week you can't let Milton Keynes dominate possession you can't let them pin you into their into your end you have to play the game on your terms and I think that's going to be exactly the same um, exactly the same on Saturday and then on Sunday you know a, home, a Sunday night home game isn't something we have too much but I think with a short trip on Saturday that might benefit the Cats um, because it would be Sheffield, you have that long journey. Obviously, Sheffield, aren't, again, aren't playing on the Saturday night, so they'll have the fresher legs. But, I mean, I know they're not, they haven't got the best record on the road, and certainly not on the road at the Link Centre. I think um, it was our friend at NIHL Stats, Chuck, this us earlier in the week, that they haven't won in Swindon since, I think, I'm just having a look for it, October 2016, I believe. Does that sound about right? That, I mean, yeah, yeah but, well, Joe over you know, and that's not to say that's not to, that's not to knock Sheffield and say they, they won't beat us. I think it'll be another really tough game for Swindon, but certainly that home ice advantage will be a benefit for the Cats on a on a Sunday night at the link. I'm sure the dogs will come in wanting to turn us over again, but yeah, it's going to be two more tricky games. Um, but yeah, they should be entertaining to watch. Yeah, like you said there, Joe. Uh, big shout out to Joe over at NIHL Stats. He uh, he gave us a couple of stats this week, which uh, which definitely made us uh, smile. And um, yeah, the one of those, yeah, Sheffield not winning this win since 2016 is um, it's going to be something they're going to want to put right. And with the players they're bringing down and the talent they've got there, they've they've got every chance to. Um, they really do. And yeah, just again, just going back very briefly and just shouting out to Joe the, the work he's doing down with the NHL stats. I know he's launched his website for this season. He's been running box scores and. And it really is the place to go if you're if you're interested in working out patterns and 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 stats through the uh, through the streaming series and hopefully through potentially a season. He's um, he's definitely it's definitely a website you need to check out. So that's uh, nihlstats.wordpress.com. And I know you've got uh, something else up your sleeve there. I apologise to um, apologise to Joe first because I actually got that wrong. It's October 2014, so even longer since the dogs have last got the win. I got my um, I, my my day dates mixed up. Also, um, I think there's another fun stat you threw our way, which I'm sure Aaron will want to rectify, which is Swindon haven't scored a power play goal against Sheffield in three seasons, and so not since um, Chris Jones in the National Cup final. Um, so that'll be something that we perhaps want to rectify on home ice if we want to get the win. But yes, I was 2014 since the Dogs last got a win in Swindon, which was an Andre Payette coached Sheffield team. So that's how far back we're going. So they'll, Ben Morgan and Co. will definitely want to change that record on Sunday night. Was that the year that Bounsey played for them, or was that a couple of years before that? I think, was, I think that was after Bounsey on to Hull. I think that was maybe when they had um, the import netminder. Dalibor Sedlar. Whose name I've forgotten. Sedlar, there we go. The yeah, there we go. That's a blast from the past. They had some great players up there yeah. in those years. But, um, they did, yeah. Hello, Pavel Murner. What a name. <laughs> uh, entertainment, entertain, some entertainment over those, over those cats and dogs games over the years. Definitely. Yeah, and I'm sure this weekend will be the same. I know it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be great again. We talked about last week. Maybe not so much from the kind of elite league players Milton Keynes have got. They've obviously brought in players like... You know, Lewis Hook and David Clements, who all played in Swindon before, but this weekend in particular, to see guys like Ben O'Connor and and Ben Lake on the uh, the Cats ice is going to be something rather strange, but uh, mm. definitely a, a worthwhile uh, watching point if you are thinking about getting the stream. Mm. 
yeah, so I think that kind of brings us to the end of um of episode ten really the like on the last thing for us to say is get your streaming tickets um you know there's there's two more games this weekend um like I said, we're away in away in Milton Keynes uh, as this will go out Saturday night and then um Sunday we're at home against the dogs, so we did this last week. And I said to you that I wasn't going to ask you for score predictions on uh, on weekend one because I think that's not fair. But that's it. I'm going to throw you under the bus. Come on, score score predictions for weekend two. We've both we've both streamed games: Swindon, Sheffield, Milton Keynes. We've seen all the teams. What are you uh, What are you thinking? And I won't hold you to it when we go to episode eleven. Oh, that's tough. So I think I, I mean I'm going to get confident this week. I think you know we showed enough. Against to show that we can play Milton Keynes, I think it'll be obviously tougher on the road. But I will go, I will go five four Swindon on Saturday, and on Sunday, I mean, again, it's going to be tough with Sheffield having the kind of not having the night off on the Saturday and having those special legs. But I think our home record against Sheffield gives me enough confidence that I think we can get that effect. Well, not four point weekend because obviously there's not points rising on the streaming series, but. You know, we can get that double win weekend. I'm going to go to yeah, five four on the Saturday, and I'll go five three on the Sunday. There we go. Okay. Two cats wins. Two cats wins. Okay. I mean, I'm going to back it up with two cats wins. I think. I think uh, Saturday night in Milton Keynes, I think will be. I don't think it'll be close. Well, you can't get closer than a one goal game, but I I don't think it'll be as high scoring. So I'm going to go four three in favour of the Cats. Um, and Sunday night at the link, I'm going to go 6-3 Swindon. I think we'll get a couple more. Maybe one of those, maybe one of that sixth one being an empty net, much like kind of the dogs did to us last weekend. Um, but I guess I guess time will tell on that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, the, the last thing for us to say is, is get your streaming tickets, get your 50-50 tickets to Swindon, get your shirt off the back tickets. There's four shirts going up this week and yeah, it, it's going to be another exciting weekend of hockey, and uh, I'm sure you're itching to uh, to get to face off tomorrow night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. it's going to be it's going to be fun. I think we've obviously now have a bit more knowledge of what we're going to expect. You know, after after one week of it, and yeah, it'll be it's going to be fun fun to get those to get another two games in, and hopefully hopefully they're as entertaining entertaining as um, the games last week. Yeah, that would be you know. Definitely what we what we're hoping for, because I'm sure, as you say, the MK game will probably be a little bit more structured. There'll be more, I'm sure, focus on defensive play with games under the belt now. But yeah, I certainly think with the nature of the teams, we'll see some end-to-end hockey in that. And then yeah, like I say, Swindon Sheffield is always going to be a close-fought, tough game. And hopefully, like I say, hopefully the Cats can come away with a couple of wins to. You know, end their streaming series campaign. Obviously, Milton Keynes and Sheffield have another week after that, but yeah, it'll be entertaining to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said uh, to everybody out there, if you haven't bought your streaming tickets already, just head to, to swindonwildcats.com and uh, and click the click the the, uh, the, the ticket link and uh, enjoy your hockey. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you for episode eleven.